Good morning, everybody, and welcome, and my welcome to worship, and for those who are worshipping with us from home, it's been a wonderful time of praising the Lord this morning, and I love that line in the last song that says, um, the end is written, the cross has spoken, and Jesus, as Sam just prayed, is our living hope, and uh, we rejoice in that. So will you join with me now in prayer? I'm going to focus this morning on um, God's word, his living word, his spoken word, and uh, the uh, written word. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come today as your family and want to take this moment just before we really lift our prayers to you to just lift Ben Maddock to you, Lord, and uh, just be with him as he recovers from the surgery he's had this week, and be with Kathy and Pete and Andy as they care for him, and we just ask for his complete healing. And uh, we just want to take a moment now, Lord, to just really focus again on your holiness, your majesty, and your awesome power. When we do stop and consider those things, we become very aware of how small we are. We are mindful that there is nothing we can do to improve ourselves except to bow before you and admit that you are God and we are not and to ask for your help in every aspect of our lives. And today we acknowledge the importance of your word in providing that help. From your spoken word that we will hear from Jim this morning, Lord, we thank you for the message you have given him. We thank you for your written word, our precious Bible, and for Jesus, our living word. We draw encouragement, comfort, correction, wisdom, direction, and hope from the pages of our scriptures. Your word is truth. It is alive and active and so relevant to our everyday journey, no matter who we are. Sometimes it speaks into our situations in the most surprising and specific way. At other times, we feel the discomfort and conviction about things we know we need to confess. Lord, it is important to acknowledge the seriousness of sin, and you allow us no wriggle room. We know when you are speaking to us about something you want us to deal with. Help us not to lie to ourselves or make excuses. Our hearts are so easily deceived. Your grace does not free us to sin but is meant to drive us into your loving arms, not turn away from you because of any shame or guilt. Your perfect love casts out all fear because fear has to do with punishment. When we see the error of our ways and agree with your spirit, we feel only your love within us and you will always help us to rise again and move on with you. Holy Spirit, thank you for bringing the word to life in us. Alert us to the traps the devil sets for us. Let us not become discouraged and think we are beyond your help, dear God. Let us not believe that you are displeased or disappointed with us. And let us never believe that we are without hope, because with you all things are possible. And Father, we especially thank you for Jesus, 
our living word, and who is the exact representation of your being. Jesus, who shows us your way to live with obedience, compassion, mercy and unconditional love. Jesus, thank you that it's your righteousness that keeps us secure in your love because we have none of our own. Your unending commitment to us strengthens us and comforts us. Help us to remember your delight in us is based solely on your finished work on the cross. We are complete and made perfect only through that most precious gift of grace, freely given. How can we ever sufficiently thank you? All honour and praise be to your wonderful name, always and forever. Amen. Good morning again, church. Uh, it's my great honour to, I know uh, it's already been introduced, but uh, Jim Vasos is with us this morning. Uh, I've known Jim for a number of years now. He's a, a, a pastor in our movement and uh, part of the, the Sterling Church. But uh, we, we get together as regional pastors and it's just been a joy to get to know Jim over the, the past few years. He's, his heart for, for Jesus and uh, he's also got a real heart for, for the word and uh, understanding, he's got a Greek background, so understanding the, the true Greek uh, meaning of words and, and what's actually being, being said uh, in the word. And so, Jim, encourage you up, and uh, we're, we're so honoured to, to have you come and speak with us. And I, I just pray God's blessing on you, Jim, as you, as you share, but uh, also on all of us as, as we hear what you've prepared for us. And, um, yeah, just trust that um, yeah, the Lord's going to speak through you and that we'd all be, all be blessed as you, you speak on the kingdom, continue to speak on the kingdom of God. Thanks, Jim. Thank you. There's a lot of people here. <laughs> Could this half just go for a coffee? <laughs> 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 I would feel better. <laughs> Tell you matter. Oh, good morning. <laughs> um, I understand you've been doing some work on the Kingdom of Heaven, and uh, it is one of my favourite subjects, so one of my favourite subjects. I've got a lot of favourite subjects. This is one of them. (laughs) Our lives begin in story. God created us as storytellers. We like to tell the story not only of our lives but perhaps even of the lives of others and um, we see this very very well set throughout all scripture lots of stories the narrative of life is told through story so I'm going to tell you a little bit about my story this morning and hopefully it'll dovetail into some sort of cognitive message I feel like I'm ringing like a bell do I need to stop uh, is that all right Anyhow, in 2009, um, my pastor came to me and said, uh, 2008, my pastor came to me and said, Jim, next year the church is yours. Handing a church to the Greeks is not a good idea. (laughs) (laughs) Not a good idea at all. Suffice to say, it, it was the first time I was in senior leadership and To be perfectly honest, I wasn't very good at it. I sucked at it. But there you go. But a situation arose in one particular time where it required some serious attention. The police was involved 
and uh, I, it really needed my attention. I didn't know which way to go or how to handle it, so I decided I would go for a walk, and which is what I do. I reflect quietly and silently. As I went for a walk, I prayed and I asked God, you need to, you need to give me something because whatever it is that I'm going to do is just not going to work. Uh, I'll probably get all Greek, a lot of hand signals, and, uh, <laughs> you know, have you seen my big fat Greek wedding? It's kind of going to be like that uh, with the subtitles. <laughs> Although my subtitles wouldn't have been very pleasant. Turns out that as I walked, coming back home, I went to the middle of our property. There was a stump I call my prayer stump. I sat on it and I really felt God's presence and he gave me some words of wisdom. He gave me a way out. Suffice to say, I put how I felt God was leading into practice and the situation that we had in the church was resolved successfully and not much in the way of damage. So I would suggest that this would be a story that most of you would be familiar with. In your story, in your path, in your journeying, you would have, you know, cross situations where you really have struggled with something or someone, yeah, and you went to God and had some counsel, whether it be from God himself by, he, by and through his spirit or whether it be through another person who was also led by God. There was another situation when uh, I went for a walk and it was equally as painful and I had to deal with it. This time, though, it was within my own family and I was struggling with it. Once again, I decided to go for a walk. It was a starry night. It was a warm summer's night. And while I was walking, I'm a bit of a, uh, an amateur photographer astronomer. Actually, I'm a lot of an amateur, much of an amateur. Anyway, a beginner. And um, I noticed as I looked up at the stars, there was one particular star that was brighter than the others. And I thought, that's peculiar, that shouldn't be there. And I watched it for a while. I should have been praying. But anyway, we're talking about distractions today. I watched it for a while and I noticed it was moving. I thought, oh, it was just an aeroplane. You know, well, in Mount Barker, the planes fly very high. And I thought it was a bit low for an aeroplane. But, you know, I thought, well, it must be an aeroplane. But the thing is, it wasn't moving very fast. So I thought, it mustn't be an aeroplane. It must be a chopper. Well, the hospital wasn't too far away. It's not unusual for a medical chopper to come in, you know, and bring in somebody from some sort of a crash site. But it got closer and closer and closer. But no, it wasn't a helicopter because it wasn't making any sound. As I watched it, this thing came so close. It was, it was a, a flying saucer. It was about four metres across, about two metres high, and it landed right in front of me on the property right where the prayer stump is. Anyway, this little creature came out, this little furry creature <laughs> from Alpha Centauri, and we had this conversation about the, you know, life, the universe and everything. We sucked on a coat together and, and I really wanted to go with him to wherever he was going. And, but I'm like 
this tall and this little, you know, like there's no way you're going to fit the two together. Um, it wasn't going to happen. So the little guy got into his spacecraft and took off. Now, by the looks on your faces, you're thinking, we're not bringing this guy back again. <laughs> but here's a question. What criteria did you use to accept my first story and reject the second one? We live in a world where sceptics, cynics and critics are so available to us, we sound like that to them. We sound unreasonable, we sound crazy, we sound like a bunch of nutters. And yet here, you accepted my first story, which was true, by the way, as absolutely plausible, but my second story, you rejected out of hand as completely ridiculous. And that set me thinking, what is it? How do we communicate the kingdom of heaven to the world that God has sent us to in such a way that it is, in fact, very, very possible, and furthermore, plausible. And for me, it has become a very serious matter. It is very difficult to tell our story, who we are, why we are here, to a cynical, sceptical and critical world, wrapped up in its rights, privacy and entitlements, to the extinction even of their own existence, Yet we stand to tell a story that is so magnificent and so powerful that we need to tell it in such a way that it is not only possible but also very, very plausible. So this morning I'm going to be asking four questions. Are we telling our story well? What does the kingdom of heaven look like? What characters do its citizens bring to bear? And how do its kingdom citizens govern? And I'll be finished by Wednesday. <laughs> In his book, The Drama of Scripture, Bartholomew says this, Australian sociologist John Carroll, who does not profess to be a Christian, believes that the reason that the church in the West is in trouble because it has forgotten to tell its story. In his view, the waning of Christianity has been, as, as practised in the West is easy to explain. The Christian churches have comprehensively failed in their one central task, to retell their foundation story in a way that might speak to the times. Now, I don't know if you've ever like scanned YouTube for let's see who's preaching this week. You know, there's some good stuff on YouTube, but they're outnumbered by the number of nutters, 100 to 1. Have you noticed? I have. And people are forming opinions and making decisions and making some kind of cognitive response to who we are. We're thought we're strange. 
How do you know I didn't see a little furry creature from Alpha Centauri, where men are real men and women are real women? Huh? How do you know that? And yet, when we look at Scripture, the most incredible things happen. Noah builds a boat. The whole world is flooded. world is flooded. Moses goes through the ocean. A guy spent three days in the belly of a fish. That's crazy. Yet we accept this without any sense of questioning whatsoever. And still, my story is rejected out of hand in the same space. The same author writes this. A Hindu scholar of world religions once said, I can't understand why you missionaries present the Bible to us in India as a book of religion. It is not a book of religion. And anyway, we've got plenty of books of religion in India. We don't need any more. I find in your Bible a unique interpretation of a universal story the history of the whole creation and the history of the human race, and therefore a unique interpretation of the human person as a responsible actor in history. That is, a unique, that, that is unique. There is nothing else in the whole religious literature of the world that, put, that we can put alongside it. Even people who are not of our faith, who have read our scriptures, can see that we have something unique that speaks to the human spirit, quenches a thirst that people have, that, that opens up their, their minds to possibilities and plausibilities of things that are wonderful and unique, that are just miraculous and spontaneous, stuff that we take for granted. And yet when we walk out of the doors every Sunday morning, we go back to our little corners and really wonder, what does the world really think of us? Callistos Ware, a Greek Orthodox bishop, writes, we see that it is not the task of Christianity to have simple answers to every question, rather to lead us into a deeper mystery. God is not so much the source of our knowledge as the cause of our wonder. How are we telling our story? Now, I'm not suggesting for one moment that all of you are a bunch of billy nobodies and you're going out and you're doing nothing. I'm not suggesting that. What I'm suggesting is in the general community, in the general scheme of things, our society at large is asking, what are you on about? And I know this to be true. Not long ago, I was in a cafe, my favourite cafe in Mount Barker. It was loaded it was full. I sat at a table and it just so happened that the chair opposite me was empty. I was reading my book because I just love reading and this young woman came up and she said, do you mind if I sit? And I said, knock yourself out. So she sat with her coffee. I sat with my book and my coffee and she said, what you reading? I said, oh, you really want to know? I was reading this book called Irreversible Damage, which is a book written by a psychologist who was concerned with young women who had transitioned into males and at the age of 19 and so on had regretted it and was starting to make, you know, a lot of noise about how this whole gender thing had gone out of control for them. Thousands and thousands of these young women were recorded in this book. 
And she said, oh, that's an interesting book, a bit challenging, isn't it? And I said, yeah, well, I guess it is, but, you know, I'd like to know what's going on in the world. While we were talking, she said to me, you know what? I've been challenged by it myself, and I've been thinking about this whole thing myself. I'm taking it very seriously. She's telling this to a perfect stranger. I put my coffee down. I didn't, you know, react or anything like that, but then I looked at it dead in the eye. I said, do you mind if I ask you a question? It's rather personal. You don't need to answer it. She said, sure, go ahead. I said, who has hurt you so badly that you want to make such a destructive decision? And she wept. She just poured tears out of her face. And I just knew this woman just needed God's mercy. She needed his grace. She put her coffee down, she stood up and she said, I really want to thank you, and just left, which is unfortunate because it would have been nice to spend some time with her. I've had dozens and dozens and dozens of conversations like that in that little coffee shop that I've been attending the last 12 to 15 years. And I can tell you there is a world out there that really want to hear your story. There's a world out there that just wants to hear what you have, the hope that you have, the hope that we've been singing about this morning. There's a whole lot of people out there that want to hear it. And all we need to do is to show a bit of courage and to say, God, how do I tell my story without making it sound like a little, like it's, that it's a flying saucer landing in my backyard and a little furry creature from Alpha Centauri came. How do I make my story sound like this? And there's a wisdom in that. There is a strength in that. And guess what? Every one of you have got it and it's inside every one of you. Because each one of you will have a unique way of telling the same story. Each one of you has the Spirit's power. The Scriptures teach us, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are a people of God. And once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Have you ever wondered about the word mercy? Think about it. When a criminal throws him or herself at the mercy of the judge, do you know what they're asking to do? They're asking the judge to say, in this case, do not let the law apply. In this case, I'm asking you to forget the law. Can you imagine when we go to the mercy of God, we're saying, God, change your mind. Set me free. And in Revelation chapter 5, we read, and they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take up the scroll and open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased for God persons from every tribe and every language and every people and every ethnicity. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. Do you want to know where the kingdom of heaven is? You. Scriptures tell us you have made them to be a kingdom. So now we've got to ask a different question. 
The question was once, Lord, what must I do to enter the kingdom of heaven? But now the question is, Lord, who should I be as one of its citizens? Within you is immeasurable power. Within you is immeasurable grace. Within you is love. And you have the wisdom of God's spirit and his leading. And you can actually see the transformation of lives. I don't know what you're aware of. I don't know this congregation at all. Those of you that do know me, I feel sorry for you. (laughs) Those of you that don't know me, you will soon enough. (laughs) Secondly, what character do its citizens bear? Once again, I'm passionate about the scripture. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Dohi is the Greek word, the destitute of heart. Those who have absolutely nothing to have to offer, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. But very interestingly, the word blessed, I'm not really sure why the translators put it in there, but, you know, it's very difficult. I have a lot of sympathy and empathy for translators. The word um, that is usually used in, in the New Testament is evloyia. We get the word eulogy from it. And uh, he doesn't use that word. He uses a word, uh, makari. Now, I don't know if you've ever sat around a table and you've had people, you know, chatting away and somebody says, if only that were true. You ever had that? Makari. If only the poor in spirit knew theirs was the kingdom of heaven. It's a joyous, it's a pleading, it's a wonderful expression, full of happiness, full of joy, full of pleasure. Think about what Jesus is saying here, makari. Blessed or makari those who mourn for they will be comforted. Have pleasure, have joy. Blessed are those that hunger and thirst after righteousness for they shall be filled. Makari are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Makari are the pure in heart, for they will see God. The peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Those who are persecuted for righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. These are the characteristics of kingdom bearers. These, this is the nature of the kingdom bearers. People who are poor, people who are mournful, people who are meek. But then there's another kind as well, because you see, that's the character. But what kind of behaviour do we have? So we read in 1 Corinthians 13, we see love is patient and love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It does not dishonour others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs, doesn't delight in evil, rejoices with the truth, always protects, always trusts, always hopes and always perseveres. This is who you are. As kingdom people, this is who you are. This is how God has engineered you. This is your DNA. This is how God has built you. And when you walk out into the street, these are the virtues you carry. This is the testimony of your mouth. We hear the word sin a lot. We throw it around like it's a football. We often hear it as, you know, somebody who's done something bad. Sometimes we hear the word sin as to miss the mark. But the word amartia, a is in the negative. Amata 
is someone who bears witness or testimony. The word literally means to be without testimony. But you are not people without testimony. You are martyrs. You are martyrs. You are not a martyrs. Like we say atheists without God. We say agnostos without a brain. Which a lot of Greeks are like. But anyway, we're not, we're not, we're not going to go there, right? You are martyrs. You are martyrs. A martyr is not only someone who burns at the stake. Stake. <laughs> oh. I love, oh. Anyhow, you see, you are people who have a testimony endowed with the power of the Holy Spirit. You are people with a testimony that can actually shift brokenness and make the light shine in a person's heart so that they can see the hope and the stupidity in which they live in and then open up their mouths and say, what must I do? This is what's in you, every one of you. Isn't it wonderful? Isn't it powerful? To think about who you are. Oh, yeah, but I'm an introvert. Well, find another introvert. <laughs> I'm an extrovert. Well, don't scare them. Come talk to them. I don't know how to do it. Doesn't matter. You don't need to. God's spirit knows. Just trust him and move. Who somebody said today, in him we live and breathe and move and have our very being. And then Paul says something interesting. We are his offspring, he says. As some of your poet says, we are his offspring. He's quoting Zeus. Could you imagine Paul, the Apostle Paul, sitting in, in, in the Acropolis reading the book of Zeus? Well, all the other Christians were thinking, oh, that's sinner, what are you doing over there, ringing that stuff? And yet it gave him the authority to move in and sit and stand on that mountaintop and speak the word of God boldly to the Greeks who were stupid hope no Greeks are listening, and, and stubborn, but some of them listened. You have the fruit of the Spirit within you. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Think about it. You're immune to the law. <laughs> You're immune to the law. How wonderful is that? You can go speeding and God will say, ah, that's all right. You're doing it for a good reason. You're doing it for a good purpose. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh. The Greek word is sarko. We get carcass out of it. The flesh, the carcass, have crucified the carcass with its passions and with its desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited provoking and envying each other. God is the embodied person of personification of love. Here's the deal. When the love of God starts to indwell you, you don't have God's love. You become love. The scriptures teach us that God is love. He's not like love. He doesn't have love. And it is not the same love as we know it. We say agape. There's about eight tenses of love in Greek, if you want to get confused. If you want to know what they are, ask me some other time, but not today. But there's about eight tenses. The scriptures use mainly four. Agape, philia, erota, and storie. Now, those loves are alien to God. God's love is unique in every respect. And you do not have God's love, you do not 
you become, you, are in, you embody God's love. So when you go out and you sit across the table from someone with a cup of coffee and you say, I love you in God's name, you are imparting him. Not his love, him. You are love and those around you become love with you. It's an amazing thing. It's a difficult thing to conceive, I guess, in some respects. It took me a long time, but I am a bit of a stubborn Greek, so, you know, you know that, don't you, Mike? <laughs> How do these kingdom citizens govern? What does our governance look like? Firstly, kingdom people are sold out. They are completely devoted. We read in the scriptures, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together, had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with gladness and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people and the Lord added to their numbers daily those who were being saved. These people were so out of their minds. These people were so nuts. They were so ballistic for God that they created an environment that other people on the outside would say, what is that? I want to be part of that. How can these people under the present circumstances with Roman rule function this way with such freedom, with such liberty, with such, such love, such generosity? How can they do that? And they had the envy of the people around them and just God just kept on adding to them, just kept on adding to them, kept on adding to them. They were beautiful in every respect. They had something that nobody else had. You have something that nobody else in the world has. Do you know that? It doesn't matter if you're stuck or sick or sad or sorry right now. It doesn't matter. What matters now is do you realise this beauty and this wonder and this splendour resides in you now? You're not going to get it one day. You already got it. It now. You got it. It's, it's here. It's already there. And all you've got to do is to say, God, whatever situation I'm in, let me go ballistic for you. For me, it comes natural. For Greeks, we go ballistic, yeah? We're right that. And secondly, we are unconsciously deliberate in our conduct. Here's what I mean. Then the king will say to those on his right, come to you who are blessed by my father, and take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. And I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. And then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in? 
or need clothes to clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell to you, whatever you tell you, whatever you did to the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it to me. If in your Bible you've got the word for, cross it out. The text is to. It's deliberate, it's intentional. Here's the thing. These people were so possessed by God that they were completely unconscious of their holy conduct. They just behaved naturally. They just did it. If you read further down in the scriptures, they would say, well, you know, if we had known you were in Yatla, we would have come to get you. Yeah? That's, that's, if we had known, how many times have you sat around the table and somebody sits, spills their guts out and then somebody says, well, why didn't you call me? I would have helped. You see, God's got a contingency for just about everything. He makes you naturally supernatural in such a way that all your conduct is almost completely unconscious. The spirit of generosity, the spirit of encouragement, the spirit of strength, the spirit of hope, it's all there within you. You are endowed with such spiritual wonder. This is how... The people of God govern in such a way that we become so desirable, we're like a double chalk ice cream on a hot summer's day when some of it winds up in your mouth and the rest of it dribbles down your arm. That's what we're like. We're just loved by anyone that sees us. I know this to be true. Thirdly, we accept everyone, not everything. And this is important. Because sin has no equal representation on this platform. From this platform, only the message of the living King, Jesus, is actually ministered. And Paul writes, And so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not come to you with eloquence or human wisdom. As I proclaim to you the testimony of God, I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness, with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not wise with persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom amongst the mature. But not the wisdom of this age but the or the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden and that God has destined for our glory before time began. A mystery. The word mysterion. Paul uses it a lot in the book of Ephesians. Usually when we talk about mystery, we think about Sherlock Holmes. You know, you've got you to find who done it. But the word mysterio in my language means to shut one's mouth, to be quiet, to be initiated into spiritual practice. Did you know that all of God's spiritual knowledge and understanding resides within you? We don't accept everything. Or we, we, we accept everyone, not everything. We are resolved to lead with conviction and with the Spirit's power. We are instructed to love our enemy. We are, aren't we? But I will not tolerate him. 
My enemy has nothing to say. But I'm instructed to love him. And I've got to learn to live with that tension because some people are destructive. The devil is destructive. Him I have no tolerance whatsoever. Got no time for the devil. But there are some things we say no to and we govern with a sense of strength, with a resolute authority, not with I'm taking out my pistol and it's shot at 20 paces. None of that nonsense. We don't need to become involved and engage our enemy at that level only to say, I know who I am. You're welcome to be part of it. I know who I am. You're welcome to join us. I know who I am and you can be free. You can be bound. So now we must no longer ask, what must I do to enter into the kingdom of heaven? Rather, how do I live as one of its citizens? How do I function as a human being? How do I become a person that speaks with confident and resolute authority in the world I walk without opening up my Bible in every situation that I find objectionable and say, well, the Bible says, you've heard people. And all it does is put people off. I don't know how much time you spend with people outside of your own circles. I would encourage you to, because it is for them that this message is for. The Bible wasn't written for the unbeliever. It was written for the believer. It was written for you to teach you, to cultivate you, to strengthen you, to empower you, to show you the blessed power that is within you, the confidence of faith that is within you, and miraculous things happen. In closing, I'll tell you another story. My wife, Janie, and I, well, we weren't married then, but we'd come back from church. We used to go to Sturt Street at the time, and we were coming down Henry Beach Road. I was taking Janie home, and... Uh, I, we noticed uh, halfway up Henley Beach Road there was a bit of a kerfuffle and I felt God say, stop. And go and talk to that man and tell him this. I said, okay, as we're getting closer, it's a bikey gang. You know, like, they're built like houses, those blokes. Yeah? They don't smoke cigarettes and they don't drink water. You, you get what I'm saying? And their motorcycles are built for war. There's cannons and stuff hanging out, right? And Janie said, what are you doing? I said, I don't know. I just got to do this. She said, stop here. I'm not coming with you. I said, no, you're not. You're staying in the car. So she stayed in the car. We locked the doors. I went up to the leader of the pack and it turned out that they were going to have a rumble that night. And I just walked up to the leader and I said, God has sent me here to say to you that you should not fight tonight. Do you know what he did? He just got his chain out and went, let's go, fellas, and they took off. Minutes later, the other gang came and they were looking for him. You know, they're just not there. Now, you tell me, you tell me that my story about this little creature from Alpha Centauri is nuts. <laughs> You tell me that. Because it happened. Janie saw it. If I had told anybody, he would have said, come on, Jim, that's a Greek fairy tale. I've ever had one. You've been talking to Apollos for too long or Athena for too long or Zeus. But 
You tell me my little story about the creature from Alpha Centauri was a nutty thing to do. I can tell you lots of stories that God has taken me through in my life. Now I teach them. (laughs) Those who can't do teach, isn't that what they say? No, that's not true. What I'm trying to say is simply this, that when God is involved, everything else is disengaged and you are free to transform the other. That's what I'm trying to say. You make space for God's spirit to come into play. So in my message today, all I want to say is this. Within you is a kingdom. Collectively, you become the kingdom. You are governors in your own right. You have a message that brings life to others. And that message must never, ever be silenced. Let's bow our heads in prayer. We are a chosen people, a royal people, children of the way. We are the kings of the earth, ambassadors of the Most High. We are the ambassadors of the Most High God in service to the King of Kings and as led by God's mighty spirit. Let us all be confident in this, not egotistical or arrogant or boastful, but in humility, a people full of God's love, charged with being his kingdom, making it visible to all who come under our influence. Dare we engage a growling enemy of some fool's wisdom. We should neither resist these evils nor indulge them in any way, rather relentlessly, resolutely and full of conviction. Speak the words of God's truth into into this darkness and he will prevail in all things until the return of his son Jesus. This is the kingdom to which we are born and may I say this is the kingdom to which you are born. And the question should no longer be, what must I do to inherit the kingdom of heaven? Rather, who should I be as one of its citizens? Let all heads still be bowed. If this morning you feel that God has spoken to you, at least slightly by what I've said, I would encourage you, don't let those questions, don't let those opportunities go by without pondering them with someone. I am sure you've got spiritual confidence people you can speak to, some confidence, some mentor, go and talk with them. May the Lord keep you and bless you. May he strengthen you in every way. May he give you peace and may his grace and mercy be with you always. Until that day when Jesus returns and all sorrow and sadness is wiped from us, we shall be his kingdom and govern with his mercy. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you all. Thank you for this space and time. Sam. Thank you, Jim. We're going to um, just going to sing a, a song uh, to end our service.
And I just want to uh, take up on Jim's uh, word there at the end. If you if you feel like the Lord's been speaking to you, or uh, just want to yeah pursue that, just uh, seek someone out afterwards. We're going to uh, set up some chairs here afterwards down the front, but also in the prayer room afterwards. And uh, as we sing this song, I just pray um, that the Lord will continue to speak to you and uh, open up the truths of, the, of that message and encourage you that as you go out of these doors, uh, you have a story to tell. You have uh, who you are and who God's made you to be, uh, to be part and to be used by Him to change the world. That is our story and that is our part of being our church together. So let's stand together and sing. team and uh, thanks to you Jim for being with us this morning and your words of uh, wisdom uh, and encouragement and challenge are just about the power that um, our story and our lives can have to actually be a positive influence and impact in the world when we have Christ within us Um, fantastic Uh, trust you've really yeah been blessed by our time together this morning as Sam has said if you'd like prayer or just a conversation with someone there's a couple of options obviously meet here at the front uh, Di will be in the prayer room obviously uh, please feel free to have a chat as well as we just spend some time after service for a, a coffee or a tea as well and just pray um, that yeah the Lord will just continue with you um, today and this week ahead as well and just yeah thank you Lord for being with us today and just being the central part of our service here thanks everyone Jesus